Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. And you know I always say that because people are listening from all over the world on iHeartRadio and maybe listening on the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and also on itsallaboutthequestions.com. It's so exciting to have you here today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation today, which... You know, I booked many, many, many weeks ago, way before I got interviewed for John Warlow's podcast, Built to Sell, and he wrote an article about me on Forbes.com talking about how I sold my tech company and about all those different pieces. So I've got Ace Chapman here with us today, and um, what I love about Ace when he was first introduced to me was, you know, Ace is all about buying and selling businesses and that you don't have to start a company from scratch. You can just buy one. But we're going to talk about what that means and also for companies that are thinking about selling a business, what that means. So Ace, welcome to the show. It is great to be here. It's exciting to hear that you were just written up about selling your business. It's something that I wish more people uh, learned about and, and were as concerned about as starting a business. But that's why I'm here to talk to you. Yes, and I totally forgot to shut my uh, cell phone off. That was pretty funny. I've never done that before. So Star Wars Cantina song, that was me, folks. <laughs> Geekness. So, so yeah, Ace, it, it's so true what you're, you're saying. People don't think about it. And how did you get started doing this? Well, I was a college kid. I, I always loved business, wanted to go into business one day. But actually planned on becoming an uh, attorney first. I was in school for political science and uh, figured, you know, maybe one day I'd make enough money I could save up and go start a business like so many people dream of. And I, while I was, I was in school for political science, I was really interested in business. So I was interested in how does the stock market work? How does, you know, how does Wall Street, what is this thing? And uh, I remember as a kid, we didn't have business books or anything like that, but we did have an encyclopedia. And I would go back and just read over and over about Wall Street and the oil and the stock market. So when this thing called a stock market simulator uh, came out, I was like, wow, like I can see if I, you know, I'm any good at playing this game called the stock market. So I can invest virtual money on this website. And I loved the, the business and, and what they were doing in the game, but the people who were running it were just running it terribly. The site was always crashing. People would reach out to them. They wouldn't respond for months. Uh, it was just a very poorly run business. So as I, uh, <laughs> I, I was coming to the end of my sophomore year, I reached out to him and kind of just asked, hey, would you guys like me to come and intern for you? It seems like you need some help. And they wrote back saying, listen, the reason we're not paying attention to this, we moved on to this new project. And uh, we're really excited about it. And we really just want to get rid of this. We want to sell it. Um, you know, do you know anybody that would be interested? And knowing that I had zero money, <laughs> I was interested just in how much money it was making, how much they wanted for it, just out of curiosity and so they wrote back that they were willing to sell it at 70,000 but it was making 60,000 
And I looked at my bank account and saw that I had all of the money in the world to me at that point was about $3,000 that I'd saved up over the course of summer. So I was a pretty long way away from that 70000 but I, it kept bugging me. I'm like, this thing has so much potential. The users are so passionate. The people you know, are still using it, even though these guys are just doing everything possible to make it fail. And so this thing has to have some legs. And so I went back to them and asked them to finance half of it. I went to a buddy and got him to invest a little bit. And then I made up a difference with credit cards. And it's funny thinking back to that period because my biggest concern uh, at that point had nothing to do with the business. It was just that one of these credit card statements was going to be sent to my parents' house instead of my dorm, at which point, you know, they would probably have pulled me out of school like, what are you doing? You're being irresponsible. Uh, and so that was my very first acquisition. Well, you know, that's kind of fascinating. Number one, you had credit cards in, in college. When I went to college, the only way I could get credit cards was um, massive co-signing by my parents and it was had like a $300 limit on it. <laughs> and, and that shows the difference in age between, um, between you and I, cause credit has changed dramatically, but, it had. It had. but what it sounds like is when you decided to do it, you just instinctually knew that you wanted to try something. There was something about this idea of, um, what was it called? Cool Wall Street or something that was really cool. But you yeah. said something really fascinating to me. You said they were making 60000 and they wanted 70000 I didn't hear you at any point talk about determining whether it really was worth 70000 which is now something that you really talk about a lot, business valuations. And you and I both know how many people think their companies are worth way more than they really are. Yeah. So what did you discover yeah. when you actually got into the business? Was it really worth purchasing at $70,000? Yeah. So it's funny. Obviously now we do valuations in uh, a little bit more of a complex way, but back then I had a very simple valuation method to determine if I, if it was worth the 70000 uh, I was at a school called Colgate University. I was fortunate enough to have a scholarship, but a lot of kids didn't. And uh, the, the cost to go was $30,000 a year. And a lot of people had loans for that amount and, and all of that. And so at the end of the four years, you owed $120,000. And I knew some of my friends who were graduating, and they were getting jobs where they were getting paid $30,000 and happy. And some of, other, some of my other friends were just bartenders and this kind of thing. And so my simple valuation at that point was I'm paying 120000 to make thirty, So maybe it makes sense to pay seventy to make sixty. So that it was, uh, it was uh, more of a comparable type of uh, uh, valuation method. Nowadays, we base it off of the income. And this is something that confuses a lot of people. Because when you get into businesses that are under that $5 million mark, it is totally different than what we hear on the news every day. You know, we hear about companies that, you know, are getting valuations based on their gross revenues or companies that are getting valuations based on an idea and what the potential is. And that just doesn't exist in the small business buying and selling world. 
people are buying based on the the income of the business and the profits, not just the, even the gross revenues. So there are a lot of people that just don't understand the value of their business uh, because they're they're thinking, oh, well, I have all these assets, or I have you know this big gross revenue number, and it should be a multiple of that. But that doesn't matter. And if you take a simple example. Uh, you know, you could have a big construction company and you could have a hot dog court. And the big construction company could have all kinds of equipment and millions of dollars and contracts and tons of overhead and employees and uh, contractors and all these things that they have to pay. So that thing could be making $3 million and at the end of the day, only take home for the owner 250000 And he still has to take care of all of that headache. Right. Well, okay. the I'm business, with you. same business buyer could look at a hot dog cart where it's just one guy and he doesn't have all that overhead. He literally has a cart and some hot dogs. And they're literally in, in New York City hot dog cart guys that are making 250000 And so that business buyer has to make a decision, do I want to go through all that headache and make 250000 or do I just want to maybe hire somebody and, and to run the hot dog cart instead of making two fifty, I make 200 So those are some of the, the things that you, when you're looking at your business and the value, you have to look at it from buyer's perspective and who you're competing against just like you would in your business. And when you're selling a product, you have to look at who, who are the other options that my customers have when they're going to buy this product. Okay, so it sounds like what you're saying is with small businesses, there's a different way of doing valuation versus um, greater than $5 million because – the way people are buying and selling small businesses is different. I mean, am, am I hearing, am I hearing? Cause I've always looked at business valuation as um, you've got your, your strict numbers, right. And you've got yeah. your, your goodwill. Cause that creates some sort of numerical value. But in the larger businesses, like some of these tech things we talk about, they're almost paying you for the idea. And in, in larger businesses, you're just dealing with a different buyer. Okay. And so real, for most people, it's the simplest way to think about this is just who you're selling to. So if you've got a large business, an individual who's just looking to replace their income isn't the person that's buying a, a $50 million business. You know, that's not somebody who – is uh, like a, a, the, the normal person who's buying a business under $5 million, they're looking for a new career. You know, they may be reaching retirement and, and want something they can work on. They may be leaving a job or getting fired. And the, you know, million dollar, $2 million business is being bought by somebody who wants that business typically. And so based on who you're selling to, it, that's going to change what the valuation is. Okay. So if you, even if you have a $5 million business that's being bought by a billion-dollar business and they feel like we can plug this business in to our business and instantly make $50 million, you've got a lot more leverage there 
to get a, a, a lot more money. Okay, if I got that. Ace, that we have to go to commercial. Ace, we have to go to commercial break right now. Everybody, I'd like you to think about this. Do you have any idea what your perfect buyer looks like for your business? We'll be right back. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. We are back with Ace Chapman, and uh, he's a business acquisition acquisitions <laughs> consultant. But beyond that, Ace buys and sells companies, and he also has um, a company called Partners Equity Fund where you can get involved with getting involved with the business and helping run it and do different things with it. Ace, before the, the commercial break, we were talking about different way things that people need to think about inside their businesses and what the the buyer for their business would look like. I want to take a little say step to the side on this. One of the things that you've done a lot of, you've had you've bought and sold what 30 something businesses, 40 businesses more than that at this point in your life? Yeah. Okay, so are there warning signs that you've seen when that are sort of typical warning signs that somebody should be thinking about that says their business is going to fail or it's not a good investment in that business? Yeah, one of the things that is um, a warning sign for me is just a business that's on the downturn. You know, anytime we're selling a business, um, we're always trying to make sure we're getting a pop up. Because you can tell somebody all day long that, oh, well, we have all of these, you know, uh, amazing opportunities that we aren't taking advantage of. But when you can show them, yes, we have all these opportunities. I'm, I'm doing it. It's on the uptrend. You can continue it, and I can show you how, and I'm still willing to sell. That's the powerful position to sell from. And it's quite honestly, I would rather pay more for a business when uh, they're showing me that than I would if I've, if I, if it looks like things are going down. So how do you determine whether somebody's in a downturn? Is it just financials, uh, strictly financials? I mean, there could be a yeah, blip. A, a lot of it is financial. And then some of the other aspects of the business, you know, are, is, is because you can trick the finances into looking good. So customer account could be going down, but then you look at the uh, finances and it's going up, and it's because they're doing a lot of sales and a lot of those things that's uh, dwindling down the inventory. So you have to look at the whole picture. But what what, what you really want, and one of the things that we do to set our business apart when we're selling a business is having a standard operating procedure because anybody that's coming in is going to have some concerns. And what that standard operating procedure will do is show, hey, here are the things that we're doing right now when it comes to marketing that are growing the business. And you want to ask yourself, does that make sense? So when somebody, what I love to do is sit across the, across the table uh, from a buyer when I'm selling a business and say, what are your biggest concerns? And if, if growth is a concern, then we'll turn to the marketing and, you know, be able to show them, here are the things that we've tried that haven't worked for us. This is what we did. 
This is, you know, some of the reasons we think it didn't work. Here are the things that we're doing right now that are working for us. And, you know, here's how we're doing those and, and ways you might improve them. And here are ideas that we plan for the future that we haven't gotten to yet. And, and then you still go into other things. It's like, you know, what are your other concerns? And instead of trying to, you know, just uh, look over problems in the business, and, and they might say, well, I'm really worried that the manager in this business is going to leave. You know, what happens if they totally leave and I'm stuck? They're amazing, but, you know, I don't know what I would do. And so you can go to the E section of the standard operating procedure and you can give them uh, a breakdown. It says, you know, here in the manager section of the employee uh, uh, folder, you can go and down the list. And as soon as that, that person leaves, here are the two people that would take her place. This is what one would do. This is what the other one would do. Here's where you're going to advertise to find new candidates. Here's what to look for in the resume. When, here are the people that you want to bring in an interview. Here are the questions that you're going to ask. Here's the training that you're going to take it through. And essentially what you're doing is, you know, there's a huge industry where franchises are sold. And people are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get a working SOP is essentially what, what they're getting. Okay, so now who's, like we, let me step back a second here. Is who's creating this this operating procedure? Is that you as somebody who wants to buy the company, or are you saying that a company, when they create themselves and they're doing business with an eye to potentially sell, they need to have this document created, this policy? The, the person that's selling. So me as a buyer, I want to buy the business where that's in place. And me as the seller, I want to sell my business with that in place because that's going to set it apart from the market. Okay, so that's going to make you more buy-friendly because it says Uh that you've got a plan in place to transition. Exactly. Okay, all right. I'm going to guess that over the years that you've been doing this, not all of your purchases have been successful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is correct. Because there's so many, there's so many factors, right. That are involved. How do you bounce back from failure? One, uh, for me, a big part of bouncing back is having multiple things going on. So I don't have all of my eggs in any one basket. My biggest case of that was my very first split, my very first business. And uh, sometimes it's just time that, that has to take place. But at the end of that whole process, and, and that's why when it comes to valuations, you have to take everything into consideration. you got to take into account what's happening in the market and just, you know, what's going on in the bigger picture, the economy and all those things. So we had offers to sell this business. You know, I'm 21 year, years old. I've been running for a couple of years and we had seven figure offers and I'm thinking, this is it. You know, I'm about to be done. We're going to sell the business and move on. And uh, then the, the uh, crash and dot-com burst of 2001 happened. And that was the end. All of those offers dropped up. Nobody was buying anything and just, there was no market there at any price. And so that was the end of, of that business. 
uh, after having a lot of success, growing it from 10,000 to 250,000 users and, and all of that. And so that was really tough. And, but the way what really bounced me back from that was that I got a, a job to work uh, in a bank doing some similar training and things that we did with Cool Wall Street. And uh, I quickly realized that I was not made for corporate America and that I had to go out and figure something else out because I did. I looked around at my coworkers and I'm thinking, I do not want this life. You know, they've been here 30 years. This does not look fun. So I got to go out here and get, make another deal happen. So that failure of that business made you realize that you needed to try something different. So you went into banking and doing some things. So that failure actually set you up for all these future successes you had. I love that. I think that is so awesome, Ace. We're going to be going into our news break right now. And I'd like all my listeners to think about about this. When we're coming back with Ace, we're going to be talking about designing your business for sale and also about micro equity and some ways that you can grow your business with that. But I want you to think about this. Your business today, do you have an idea about its true value? Because if you don't understand what its true value is, you're not going to get what it's truly worth. We'll be right back with more from Ace Chapman talking about buying and selling companies. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone, from the news break. If you're listening on the podcast, you didn't go anywhere. You just kind of waited a blip, and here I was, back with my voice. Um, Ace and I were having a great conversation during the national news break about businesses and what's next for me and some different things. So I always want my my listeners to think if you do sell your business, what's next for you? You know, Ace, I sold my, my tech company in 2009, stayed with the company that bought me um, until the end of 2010 and then launched into a completely different set of careers. And now I'm I'm somewhere hodgepodge in the middle where I'm working with tech startups, helping them with strategy and doing some really, really cool things with um, yeah, entrepreneurs. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. It, it is a lot of fun. And so many people think that they can just start and make billions, especially with <laughs> Internet businesses. And I know one of the things that you're doing a lot of is a lot of Internet business buying, helping people buy Internet businesses and sell them. And is it really a kind of business that people, I, I know from my aspect, it's not that easy to just create a multi-million dollar internet business. How do you determine whether an internet business is real? You know, one of the big things is um, we, I love to buy things that are a great deal that are going to produce income for me. And uh, a big part of our strategy is to build a portfolio. And so it's a lot different than the venture capital strategy. So venture capital, they will go into a lot of different deals. And their hope is that a few of them, 2%, 3%, will turn into something huge. Our philosophy is really the opposite. 
and it's it's centered around something called micro private equity. It's more of a private equity strategy with small internet businesses. And what that means is that we're looking for really great businesses. We want to get them at a really great multiple, and we want to be sure that the businesses have some longevity. Now, right now, because a lot of this space is fairly new, we, we typically will buy these small Internet businesses at a two multiple. Which means so, what for people who have no clue what you just said? Yeah, and, and so what that means is uh, we're going to get 100% of the money back in two years. So a two multiple, you take the price of the business and you divide that by two, and that's the net income uh, for each year. So if everything stayed the same, we're going to get 100% of our money back in two years. Uh, so that becomes a, a really powerful thing to leverage. You know, we don't need it to explode to something huge. If you're getting 50% annual returns, then all you really care about is that it maintains and it stays the same. Now, what really happens is we know that in a portfolio of these, so right now I have 28 of these businesses, and I know, you know, we've had a couple this year where, you know, we've got a little affiliate site that's doubled, and then we've got an e-commerce uh, fulfilled by Amazon business that's doubled. But then we had some that have gone down a bit. Um, but what we really want to happen is that on average we're going to be in between that 35 40% range and we're really happy with that we don't need any of these businesses to turn into hundred million dollar billion dollar businesses uh we can you know make great returns just getting strong small businesses that aren't going to be the next uh facebook or amazon uh they're just great e-commerce or uh blogs that make money or uh drop shipping sites that make money and we buy those, we take over the operations, and, uh, uh, you know, slowly grow those businesses over time. So it doesn't have to be a sexy business to make money. No, that is the, the probably the, the neatest thing is that, you know, we have some businesses in some very random areas from shower heads to ceiling fans to, you know, just some of the most random things. Uh, but people are going around and they're, they're buying these things and they want to get informed. And those businesses uh, are, are really great small businesses. And, you know, we get great opportunities because we're in that space. You know, we just had a guy uh, that we're doing a deal with who built a million-dollar business and then came up with another idea and started that on the side. Well, that thing on the side became a $10 million business. And all of a sudden, it was like literally worth one tenth every uh, of you know every time you spent more time on the million dollar business, it's literally worth one tenth of the time that he could put into the ten million dollar business. And so it became urgent for him to get rid of this awesome business that was a, a million dollar business. And so for him coming to us, he's like, I don't have a bunch of time to for y'all to do a ton of due diligence and take a lot of my time. I'm growing this business. I think it has potential to be a hundred million dollar business. I need somebody who can come in professionally, look at everything themselves, understand what needs to be done to run it. And so that I can 
focus my time over here, and I'm willing to give you a huge discount because my time is so valuable with where I am right now, and I know if I, if I just let this go, it's going to go to zero. So really neat opportunities come up when you're in this micro-private equity space because there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> okay, so you created a company in addition to all the other things you do called Partners Equity Fund. And my understanding with this, the micro equity and these smaller businesses is that you enable people who may want to begin looking at what it's like to buy a business to minimize their risk. Is, is that an accurate way of talking about this new fund that you created? Yeah. A big part of success with this is diversification, just like with anything else. I mean, even the entrepreneur who gets, who spends a ton of their time, a ton of their money, um, and they're building a single business, they end up frustrated when they don't fall into the success category. They fall into kind of the, as we know, all the statistics around starting a business from scratch. Um, A lot of people end up really frustrated and disenchanted with having their own thing because we know that odds are against you when you're starting a business from scratch. And so you're everybody who is a uh, is starting a business is being a venture capitalist. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't think about. But in that moment, you're being a venture capitalist. But you're being a venture capitalist that's investing all your energy, all your money, and all your time into a single venture. And any venture capitalist would say, oh, man, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Um, And so that was something that my mentor, uh, who's a guy who flipped hospitals, was always reiterating and reiterating to me was you want to go and buy income because life is too short to have to do nine uh, startups in order to finally get to one. And, And so you put the odds in your favor when there's income right there and you buy it. And you also want to make sure that it's diversified because, you know, as I saw with my first business, uh, as we've seen with other businesses, some businesses are going to go down, some go up, some people are going to get lucky. Uh, but you don't want to, de- to have your whole strategy be dependent on what happens to a very few people who do get fortunate and, and great things happen for them. So you're a business flipper, which yes. implies based on real estate flippers and and all these other things, um, other kinds of reality shows that we see and what people are doing, <laughs> you how long do you keep a business before you sell it? Because it's implied when you said flipping a business, it's implied that you're not keeping it very long. You're in it for a short amount of time, and then you're out. Well, it doesn't have to be a short amount of time. You know, flipping, you can still flip something, you know, and, and uh, years later, and you've grown it, and, and now it's time to sell. In some cases, we do get into a deal, and we may sell it in six months. In other cases, you may sell it in three to four years. The thing that I think uh, is tough about this space is that there is a lot more of an art to it than uh, a science. And, you know, I get people all the time that think that because you're buying something that a lot of the – skill sets just go out the door. And so uh, when it comes to buying a business or even selling a business, there 
uh, is a misconception that, you know, when I want to sell, I should be able to sell. When I want to buy, I should be able to, to buy. But there really is a separate skill set. Uh, you know, just like if, if somebody comes up to somebody and say, oh, well, you know, how are you going to, how, do you, how can I start a business and make a lot of money? Like, that is just way too open-ended. Okay, so what's, bit, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. What's the skill set? Uh, when it comes to being a deal maker, it's basically five things. You got to be able to find the deal. You got to be able to do due diligence on the deal. You got to be able to do evaluation on the deal. You got to be able to raise capital to buy the business and not have to sink all your money into it. And then you've got to be able to run it successfully um, and hopefully be able to run in a way where it doesn't take you running it. You're more of a, a manager. So when you compare that to uh, what an entrepreneur has to, to be an expert at, it's, it's a lot different. You know, I, I bought one offline business where, we started a different location, and that was my first time starting a business, and I, I have nothing but a tremendous amount of respect for everybody who starts a business from scratch. You know, just finding the location, putting a deposit down, starting to pay rent while we do the build-out, going and finding employees, hoping that those employees are going to be good, realizing that half of them are firing those employees, having to train them again, and making that investment. And this is all before you open the doors and make dollar one. And then eventually you get close to, to a grand opening. You start to do some uh, advertising. You're spending money. You're hoping that's going to work. You're hoping people are going to show up. And even when they do, you're still cash flow negative for the next six to 12 months. And this whole time you've been spending money. Uh, so to compare that to what we do as dealmakers, there's a skill set up front that you have to learn but as soon as you close the deal, the very next day, money begins being deposited into your account. So you're minimizing risk by doing, a, by becoming an entrepreneur the way you're talking about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, there's just a lot more people that can find the business that has already made it through what I call the entrepreneurial gauntlet. They've made it. They proved that there's customers that's interested in the product. They proved that they have a system to get those customers in the door. And it's, they've got employees that are working, and, and all that stuff is in place. There are a lot more people that can learn from that seller and be very successful. I mean, I have. I, that I love that. Never, Hold on, we're, never, we're going into go we're going into commercial break. That's one of the downsides of being on broadcast radio. Is you know we have commercials that pay for airtime here. Um, we'll be right back with more from Ace Chapman, and I can't wait to hear what's next. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. As always, this show, even though it's an hour long, is way too short because there's so much great content that I love listening to from my guests. So, Ace, um, you know, you listed five traits um, that somebody who's buying a business um, needs to be thinking about. They need to be able to find a deal. They need to be able to do due diligence, uh, figure out the valuation, raise capital, and then, of course, run it, which is a little different than somebody that's just creating their own business where they have to find an idea, right? Then they have to figure out if it's worthwhile <laughs> to actually do yeah. it and um, and figure out all the, the capital and all those other parts. What are some questions that 
my listeners need to be thinking about if they are thinking about buying a business? A couple of questions they need to think about. Well, the first thing is the intel. You know, what we're doing is, uh, is, is basically going out and buying income. I will never forget one of the first lessons I learned from, from my mentor, who I mentioned earlier, was uh, this, this whole concept that takes a bit of a paradigm shift. And, you know, I'd walked into his office. I just sold a business. I was about to start a business. I had this amazing idea for a startup. And I, at the end of the day, just, I don't even remember what, what the idea was today. So it must not have been that good of an idea, but <clears throat> at that point, I was extremely excited about it and passionate about it, and I remember pitching this to him, and he looked at me and just, like, completely disinterested, and I'm, you know, like, obviously, he doesn't get it. I get even more passion. I'm explaining why this is awesome, and I'm like, well, he's older. He just doesn't understand, so I get done with my pitch, and then he asked me about my computer, and he asked me, where'd you get your computer? And I'm like, wow, like, you're just going to totally ignore my pitch. You're going to totally not give me any feedback, and we're going to start talking about computers. Like, are you in the market for one? So I told him, Dale. And uh, his, his next question was, why did you decide to buy it from them instead of building it? And I was like, I don't know how to buy, how to build a computer. He's like, you can go online and, and figure that out. And I was like, I don't have the parts and stuff. He's like, you can order all that online. And uh, it's like the real reason you didn't was because what you wanted to do was write email. What you wanted to do was be able to use a Word document and to be able to write documents. You know, it had nothing to do with building something. You wanted the goal of that computer, so you went and bought the computer. And so the, the first thing when you think about what you want in the business, it's just like everything in, in life. You know, when we want a car. We don't try to build it from scratch. When we want a house, we don't try to build that from scratch. 99% of people don't build it from scratch, and, and the 1% that do are like, I'm never going to do that again. It was a nightmare. So we go in and we buy things. If we don't have the cash right then, we figure out where to get the cash so that we can have a car because that's something that we need. Well, the thing that we need more than any of those things is income. And so when you're, when you're coming up with the business that you're going to go after, that's the single most important thing is getting clear about your goal. Because if you're not clear about that, then everything else, nothing else really matters. You know? And that's what he brought me back to. He's like, let's go back to the, our original conversation. You told me your goal was this amount of income. Right now what you're doing is going you know, in a roundabout way, hoping that eventually it gets you to the income when the quickest path to any goal is a straight line. So just go to the straight line and get what you want. Don't try to come up with studying how to build a car, you know, trying to figure out where to get the parts. Just go to the car lot and figure out how to buy the car. And so that's, that's a little bit of, more importantly, the, the paradigm shift that needs to take place before you can even get into the right conversations and then once you're talking to that, that seller that has the right business with the right income and, and all of that, you are focused on a couple of things, the longevity of that income that it's generating, how much time it's going to take for you to run it, and then uh, is it something that's going to be a great sellable asset? 
asset when you leave it. Oh, I like that. That's that's a that's a all those questions are really great. But thinking about is it sellable when you go to leave? So you have to be able to keep it sellable and grow it to make it even more sellable. Yeah, is what I'm hearing. That's great. Yeah. Hey, I've gotten some notes from uh, some people that are listening to the show, and they want to know how they can find out more about this and find out more about you. So I want to make sure we get that in before the show ends. So how yeah. can people reach out to you? So I wrote a book about a lot of this stuff. It's called The Ace Formula. That's for sale on Amazon. Uh, you can also visit acechapman.com. There are a lot of articles and, and info there. And then if you're interested in uh, buying Internet businesses, we have uh, a, a, a lot of detailed info on a site called WebsiteMogul.com. WebsiteMogul.com? Yep. And that's specifically for people that might be interested in buying or selling Internet businesses? Internet businesses, yep, that's correct. And that's a completely different animal than just buying a brick and mortar, it sounds like. It is, it is. It's quite different. What's your biggest insight that you've discovered around buying and selling Internet businesses? Um, I think the real power is that you can do so many. You know, when I was on, I, I remember at one point I had three offline businesses and, you know, it was just crazy. I was stressed. My doctor was saying I needed to take time off. It was just crazy. And now I've got 28 uh, internet-based businesses and, um, you know, my goal is to get a hundred. Wow. You want to own a hundred internet businesses? Yeah. That sounds crazy stressful to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the crazy thing is that uh it, it's really not which is with uh how you can outsource and obviously you have to buy the right businesses uh but you're, you're truly creating a diversified uh portfolio of these things and i know we got to run in a sec so i'll give you real quick one of the things you want to think about with internet business is the different levels of diversification that you're able to do so on the top level, you want to have traffic diversification. So you want to have a, a different businesses. You don't want all your business to be, to be generating all this traffic from SEO and Google search. You want to, on the second level, have a business model diversification. So you want to have e-commerce and SaaS and um, affiliate-based businesses and content blogs. And so we could have all all of those different types of businesses, but if it's all uh, coming from Instagram traffic, then you're still in trouble. And then the third level is uh, having businesses that generate their income from different sources. So if all your sites are generating income from AdSense, you're still in trouble. So you want some that are straight from consumers, some that may be AdSense, some that are affiliates, some from Amazon. And, and so you can create this truly diversified a portfolio of income that generates income for you every month. And then every, every few months, as you build it up, you create this snowball effect so that you have income coming in. You're taking that income. You're buying another deal. Now you've got more income coming in, and you're, you're going out and you're buying yet more businesses. It's a great philosophy for life in general. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yes, that is correct. That is correct. Some people get lucky with it. But for the average person, it's not the right strategy. And I love things like Lean Startup. 
that have moved in a direction and said, hey, you know, this is a, a really tough thing. There's a lot of money. It's the startup phase when you're going to have it's the most stressful. You, you lose the most energy, lose the most money. Let's make that as lean as possible. I, I and, love that, Ace, and I, I'm probably going to have to have you back on the show so we can talk some yeah. more. Um, everybody, yeah. we're listening to Ace Chapman, acechapman.com. Lots of great resources. Thanks for being here with us, Ace. I really appreciate it. So awesome being with you. Thanks. Remember, everybody, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? And I know one of the biggest issues people have is asking themselves the right questions. So I hold 100-day mentoring programs. Reach out to me at laura at laurasteward.com and let me help you ask the right questions to achieve your goals. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.